You're listening to the Moody Mommies Podcast. Audio warning. You may or may not hear kids screaming and yelling in the background. Or us screaming or yelling at them to keep it together. something because we're still all on our safer at home orders so I know I know, I know we're trying to log these episodes in mm-hmm. coming in hot uh-huh so I'm Jessica and I'm Vanessa and today we're gonna have a guest and I'm really really excited about this topic because I know nothing about it <laughs> so we're going to bring back a guest that we've had on the show a few years back. Her name is Danelia, and she owns Mommy Amor Birth. So you may recognize her from our doula talk, but now she's going to be talking to us about how she decided to become a surrogate. Yeah, we get to hear all about her journey and her road, and she's still actually living in the moment of doing the process as we speak. So we're going to interview her and hear all about it. So, welcome back, Danny. We have missed you. It's been forever. <laughs> <laughs> but we've been following along with you on social media, so we are kind of keeping up with what you're into. Are you still run- you're still running your business, right? Yeah, um I actually opened another one too since the last time we talked. Um I so I was doing birth work, full spectrum birth work when we first got together. And then um, in October 2018, I opened a community space with one of my business partners, Marisol, who's on, on Instagram as Together in Birth. And um, we we went in on this space to be able to teach there because we were both teaching out of our houses back in those days. And so we teach childbirth classes there. We have monthly support groups. So we have breastfeeding support groups. We have parent support groups. Um, we have Spanish story time, like just a lot of community groups for for our community, and they're all donation based. So that's been keeping us busy too. Great, that's awesome. that's amazing. How are you guys keeping that going with the whole stay at home orders right now? Um, so there there hasn't been a lot of in, income in it to begin with because everything's donation based. The only real income we make at La Fuente is when we have like. Um, workshops that are that are like actually ticketed events but right now we're actually in in a transition so it's kind of happening at a good time because we are in the process of moving to a bigger space because our community has grown so rapidly that we don't actually have enough space to house everyone when they come to our events so um so we're like we just paid our deposit We're, we're we're getting ready to sign the lease and so during this time of like quarantine, it kind of works out because we we're we're in transition, you know. Um, right. It's unfortunate because our some of our groups have had to be canceled. We tried hosting some online, but it didn't really work too well. We have to maybe promote it a little bit more in advance. Um, but we're so we're trying to make that work. We're trying to still maintain support for the community during this time virtually. 
just like everyone else is right now. Um, so depending on how long this lasts, we may continue doing that or hopefully it passes soon and then we can, you know, have our grand opening at our new space and start welcoming people again. That's great. Yeah. So what we are here to talk about today is the fact that you have decided to become a surrogate. Yeah. <laughs> so what was that process like? How long did it take you to come to the decision? Um, it's been a long time coming, actually. I I had considered being a surrogate back when my daughter was probably around three years old. Um, I was still in college. I was still taking my online classes. I was almost done with school. And I just, it just hit me. Like, I was like, you know what? I don't think I want any more children. I'm good. Like, I have, I have one and we have a great relationship and I don't feel a need to have any more. And so um, my sister, actually, she's been working in fertility for quite a while. And I asked, I talked to her about it and she was like, yeah, you'd be a great candidate. Like you're, you're young, you're healthy. Um, you don't, you know, you're not like emotionally attached to the idea of having a child for someone else. So she was very much like supportive of it. So I started looking into it, but then I kind of backed out because I was like, you know what, I'm not done with school. I want to make sure that I finish, I want to stay focused, and then I'll look into it again later. And then as soon as I finished school, like I, I got a full-time job and I got really busy, so I, I just kind of forgot about it. Um, and then flash forward now, my daughter's eight, so that was about five years ago. My sister approached me and she was like, hey, I have these patients who have been trying for a really long time like they've tried all different types of methods to create an embryo and get and get pregnant and it just hasn't worked and they're looking into surrogacy but um they've gone through a lot of other medical issues besides just the infertility like some other things came up for them and it caused a lot of medical expenses and so they're they're trying to do this privately and not go through a, a clinic like an, an agency a surrogate agency and so that means that the pay would be a little bit, well, actually a lot less than you would get paid through an agency. But she was like, you know, entertain it. Like if you're open to it, you can meet them, see what they're about and make a decision. And so I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. You know, I was, I was definitely intrigued. And so I met with a couple and I really fell in love with them from the beginning. Like they're just a really, really sweet people. Um, you can just tell they just have tried everything, you know, to have this baby and they've had so many losses and so many challenges on top of, like I said, these outside medical challenges as well. So I'd explained to them what I did. Like I was like, you know, I'm a birth worker. I'm very familiar with labor and birth and pregnancy. And I'm, I'm not afraid of being pregnant. You know, I'm not afraid of giving birth. So I, I feel like I would be a good candidate for this because I'm excited to be pregnant. I love being pregnant. I mean, I've only done it once and I know every pregnancy is different, but I really enjoyed it and I wouldn't mind doing it again, especially for a cause like this. And so we really hit it off. Can you speak at all on what the exact fertility challenge was for them? It ended up being like the eggs that weren't viable. Okay. But outside of that, the intended mother actually um, struggled with breast cancer as well. Oh. So it's like that on top of all the infertility treatments and whatnot. So just knowing that and knowing like why they had to avoid the agency route, it, it made me feel better about taking this on at a lower 
cost too, even though like, you know, I, I want to be compensated for my time and my energy and my body, um, what my body is going to go through. But it was never really about that for me. It was just like, I want to do this to help this family. And if I can get a little compensation, great. That'll help me out because, you know, I'll have to take some time off of work to, to be pregnant. Like I'm not able to go to births pretty much in the third trimester because there's a risk of going into premature labor with the increase of hormones that I experience when I'm supporting a birth that could actually put me into labor. So, oh, wow. yeah, so I would have to take time off and I would need to be compensated for that. But outside of that, you know, I'm not really concerned with the financial aspect. So yeah, that's how I met them. And that's how we started our journey. And now we're like 14 weeks into the pregnancy and things are going really well. I know you told spoke to your sister about it. And she's the one who was kind of advocating for you to do it. But what about um, the rest of your family and your daughter? Yeah, um, I had talked to Corey about it, my daughter. I had talked to her about it beforehand. And I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. This is why and this is how it would work. And we have some books, too, about, you know, um, how families are made different in different ways. And at first, she was really upset. Like, she was like, I don't want you to do that. Like, she has a really hard time sharing me with anyone in general because, we're you know, we're always together. And when my attention is divided between her and something else, she's always trying to, like, compete for it. It's like an only child syndrome or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, um we talk a lot about it, you know, and I explained to her, you know, cause I take, I take her with me to work a lot too. And I'll tell her like when I, when I'm at this appointment with this client, like you need to be able to keep yourself occupied and give me space and time to give them my attention because they're, they, I'm working for them right now, you know, like explaining those things to her. She's getting it, you know, little by little. So I, I just kind of tied it into that, you know, it's very similar. It's kind of like a job. I have, this is something I'm choosing to do. It's going to help us out at home but also, it's a really beautiful gift to give this family, you know, who hasn't been able to have this baby on their own quite yet. And so I think teaching her, like, that empathy kind of helped. Even when I first did, like, the treatments and stuff, she was a little resentful. But slowly but surely, she's come around and she's kind of excited and she's curious and she's asking questions. And she's like, what do you think the baby's going to be? And I'm like, I don't know. Like... You know, she just she's she's definitely more excited now. And and especially because I want to include her in the birth, I want her to be there and she wants to be there. I think she's getting more excited. Like it's gonna be her first time witnessing a live birth. How so, old is she now? She's eight. Oh Yeah, so she's excited. As far as like my mom and my the rest of my family, like everyone's been really supportive. I told my mom early on because I would need her help with Corey a few times you know if I have to go to appointments that I can't take her to or um, even like when I'm pregnant and I need a little bit of extra hands-on support and she was super supportive she was like that's great I'm, I'm happy that you're doing that and it's really nice so everyone and my my extended family has been really supportive too like they're just really happy and I think everyone kind of knows like I I'm not in a relationship I don't plan on having any more children of my own at this time and so it just kind of makes sense for me to do this you kind of touched on that you were taking her with you to treatments and having her wait. What is the treatment process like? Before you actually do the embryo transfer, there's a lot of hormones and medications that are needed to basically make the body feel like it's 
simulating pregnancy already. The first two months before, well, even before the first two months, I was taking birth control, which was really, really hard for me because I haven't taken birth control in years. And I was feeling really uneasy about it. And I was also having a hard time staying on track with it, like taking it every day. I was just taking the pill. And my sister kind of got on me. She was my coordinator. So it was kind of nice because she, as a coordinator, she's she's the one who like helps you stay on track with your medications and keeps you posted on how they change throughout the cycle and whatnot. So because we have the relationship we have, she's like, she's like, you need to be taking it every day. Like, do you want me to give you something else that's easier? And I'm like, yes, like I can't. Uh-huh. This is why I never took it to begin with. You know, I mean, this isn't the only reason, but this is one of the reasons I never kept up with it because it's just hard for me to take a pill every day at the same time. So I went on the Nuva ring for like two weeks. And then um, that what that did is it just gave them an idea of like when to expect my cycle. And then um, once they had my cycle tracked, we started injections. So I did estradiol and progesterone, which are like the hormones that we already create naturally when we're, when we're pregnant. Those hormones increase significantly. And so I was doing injections of those every day pretty much. And then one of I think progesterone was once every three days. And so sometimes I'd have to do two shots a day, which was a lot of fun. And um, and then on top of that, I was also taking other, you know, other medications orally, actually oral versions of the same medication. So progesterone and estradiol, but just orally so that it absorbs in different ways. And what that did is it created the thick uterine lining that you need in order to conceive a child. And so um, it basically simulated pregnancy. And then, so I was like really bloated and really, um, I felt really heavy like during those days. And then once the the uterine lining was really thick and ready to go, then we did the embryo transfer. That was really exciting. Wow. So in the process of all of the treatments, did you ever at one point feel like, this is too much. What did I get myself into? I feel horrible. No, not at all. Um, I was definitely taken back by how much medication was involved. But I think having my sister there to kind of hold my hand and to forecast what to expect next was really helpful. She would tell me like, if you keep up with your medications and everything continues to look good, then we'll cut you off. We'll start weaning you off of it in a couple of weeks. So that was something to look forward to. Um, And it wasn't because the medications necessarily caused any type of discomfort. It's just because in general, I don't like putting foreign things into my body, like medication or uh, drugs in general. So it was just something I I wanted to avoid. But um, but I knew that it was essential to creating the perfect, you know, uterine lining to get this baby into the the uterus. So I, I kind of like went with it, but I never really experienced like a, oh, shit, what did I do, you know? Um, And I think, yeah, and I think that that's been helpful. It's helped me stay grounded and just focused on my why, like why I did this to begin with. And it's really for the parents, you know, it's for them. It's it's weird. It's like when I tell people, like, oh, I'm I'm pregnant, and they're like, oh, congratulations, and I'm like, thanks, but it's not my baby. Like, I'm a surrogate. I'm, I'm a gestational carrier. And they're like, oh, my God, that's so amazing. You're so amazing. And, I'm, and that, those kinds of comments really make me really uncomfortable because I don't feel exceptional. I just feel like I'm doing what I was 
called to do. Like this opportunity presented itself and I find I found myself in a position to accept it willingly and that's it. You know, there's no there's no specialness about it. It's just <laughs> It's nice that you're really humble about it, but I mean, the fact that people are telling you that is because it's true. There's yeah. not a lot of people that would do what you're doing. And it is really selfless of you. I know it's hard to hear. Oh, my God, you're great. You know, it is really hard to respond to that. And I know it makes everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, and yeah. just to hear a compliment is uncomfortable, but it's true. Yeah, definitely. You definitely have to be made to do something like this. You know, you have to have that thick skin to take it on and know that hey this is for someone else and it's all to help yeah I I understand that and I think part of the reason that it it kind of rubs me the wrong way too is because I think about my previous pregnancy experience right like when I had Corey I was 21 years old when I got pregnant I was in college and I was like on this path to like making my parents proud and happy I was the first like first person of my family to, to go to college. And that was like a big deal. Right. And then all of a sudden, like I got pregnant and it was like, Oh my God, what are you going to do? And so to compare that experience to what I'm experiencing now, it's like, why, why wouldn't people treat me the same way when I was pregnant with Corey? Why wouldn't people say, Oh, you're so amazing. You're going to be a mom. Like, that's great. That's, this is such a beautiful thing you're doing. Like it was so different. It was like, are you sure about this? Like, are you sure you want to do this? You're so young. Like, you have options. Like, I got that talk from so many people. Oh, and I was, And I was just like, no, that's, like, abortion is not an option for me. Like, I'm, again, I, I feel like I, even then I was being called to do something and I took it on willingly because it felt right to me. Yeah. And so comparing those two is kind of what I think makes me feel awkward when people are like, you're so amazing. And I'm like, I'm just doing what I feel is right. Mm-hmm. So that's been a really interesting juxtaposition. of. This- yeah, I, th- I think what you're talking about is the timing of things, right? You were in school and people said you were young, blah, 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 blah. Because even for me, the first time when I got pregnant, since I wasn't married, some of my friends were like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, dude, I'm freaking 27 years old. Like, I'm going to have a baby. Like, chill out. Yeah. And and once I got married and decided to have another one, that's when more people were like, oh, my gosh, you know, congratulations. Da, 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 da. And I think it just really changes in the position you're in in your life at the time, the way the people around you respond. Yeah. And I, I think that's the interesting part, too, is that I'm not in a different position. I'm still a single person. Like I was single when I had Corey and I'm single now. And it's like, what's the difference? You know, mm. and it, it really comes down to like choice, right? Like, yeah, it's your choice, however you want to proceed. And it's your choice if you want to decide to be a surrogate. And it's your choice if you decide to get married or not. And I just find it interesting, like what people decide is worthy and what they decide is not. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. People, people, people are all over the place. You can't really but can't please them you, all. Yeah, you yeah you can't. Yeah, but that's great that you have that understanding with yourself, and you know you know what feels right to you. Yeah. So, how long after they inserted the embryo did you get pregnant? So um, we did the embryo transfer on December twenty eighth. And they actually 
inserted, they transferred two embryos and um, only one of them took. I found out on January 8th that I was pregnant. So it took wow. a couple. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't really experience any symptoms like early on. Um, and I, I felt like it was, it was such a strange experience actually. Um, because I feel like when I, when I got pregnant with Corey, like I was kind of in denial for a couple of months. Like I, I got pregnant in February and I didn't actually like come to terms with it until April. And so those two months kind of like dragged on. Whereas in this situation, it's like you're instantly pregnant, right? And um, you know every second that you're pregnant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no, there's no question. It's like, oh, okay. There's like definitely something going on here. But after the embryo transfer, you're supposed to stay on bed rest for like three days. Oh. And again, just like showing gratitude to my sister, who's been amazing through the whole process. She let me stay at her house. It was like right in between Christmas and New Year's, you know. So we just kind of camped, my daughter and I just kind of camped out at her house and she she like demanded that I stay in bed and she had her kids helping me out, my niece and nephew, you know, bringing me food and water and whatever I needed. And she's like, the only time you get out of bed is if you need to use the restroom. And I was like, fine with it. Like, I was like, okay, this is not like my normal behavior, but I can get used to this for a couple of days. And then a couple of days later, I took the test. I did a blood test and then they confirmed it. But interestingly enough, when they insert the embryos, the embryos are already about two weeks and two to three days old. So it's like you're not only instantly pregnant, but like a couple of weeks pregnant already. So that was kind of interesting, too. So it kind of like expedited the process. Science, you crazy man. I know. <laughs> the part was like seeing it. So like when we did the embryo transfer, um, I went into like a treatment room and they kind of put my, you know, my legs up in stirrups, kind of like when you get a pap smear, a very similar experience. They put the uh, speculum in and then they put this little catheter that the embryos go through to get into the uterus. And so you can actually see it on the screen, like as it's going in, you can't see the embryos themselves because they're microscopic, but you can see the catheter and then they just kind of place them in there and you can see them hanging out there and then that's it. It's like... It was like a five-minute process. That's crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> how did um, how did the parents react once they found out that the embryo took? Oh my gosh, they are so happy. Like every yeah. appointment, every appointment we've been to. Um, luckily, they're local. A lot of times, when people use surrogates, they'll sometimes be out of the country or out of the state. But they're super local, so they've been with me to all the appointments, and every time, like they have just gotten a confirmation of a heartbeat. They're just so happy. Um, and you can really tell like how much loss and challenges they've been through because of their excitement because you know, they're, they haven't been used to having good results. I think it's really helped them heal from their experience, just being able to get on this side of it where like things are actually happening and they're getting closer and closer to having this baby. So they're, they're so happy. Sweet. Yeah, so you don't, know what the gender is just yet right no the parents don't want to find out and I don't necessarily want to find out either so for, for right now it's a surprise nice. um, the only person who knows is my sister and I think it's been really hard for her to not tell me <laughs> <laughs> but um, we had to do like a first trimester screening and and a genetic screening and in that they can tell the gender and so she's the one who gets those results and she's I'm 
like, you can't use any pronouns. Just say they or say it. And she's like, okay. That must be so, really Oh, my hard. goodness. Yeah, I would have totally failed already <laughs> if I was her. I would have been like, oh, my gosh. It's because she's hungry. Uh-huh. <laughs> would have failed. My friend just found out the gender of her baby like two weeks ago. And for a little while after, she just kept saying it and they. And then I was like, you know, you're having a son now. You could say him. And she's like, oh, my God, I can. And I was like, got to get it through your head, girl. She's really funny. Something also, though, that I want to mention is that a lot of people who struggle with fertility, they tend to lean on the Western medical model. And I have a good friend of mine who, she's a sobadora, she does a lot of womb healing. And she's been able to successfully help people get pregnant without any, like, medical intervention. She does, like, adjustments in the uterus, adjustments in the ovaries. She's able to identify fibroids and um, other issues in the reproductive system. And I feel like a lot of people, like, shy away from that before giving it a chance. And a lot of it is not, like going to like a healer and expecting to be healed, but a good healer will teach you how to heal yourself. And so really learning like what kind of massage and techniques you can do at home in between your sessions so that you can help break down like scar tissue or fibroids and things that are kind of holding you back from the reproductive process. So that's also a good like tip I like to teach people is like before you throw in the cards and you have to get a surrogate or result to like, egg or sperm donors like definitely try looking into other alternative healing models before because it could be something that is attainable where we we are so dependent on the the western medical model that we don't really think outside of the box sometimes right what did you say it's called again um sobadora it's a person who does massages like massages but specific to Womb massage is okay. my friend Pankitsani at Indigo Mama. She does amazing work. Um, she's had a lot of successful client experiences where they've struggled with infertility for years and then they go to her and they're able to conceive. But if it does come down to that and you do have to be a surrogate, you know, I'm happy to to help you out. My experience is a little different because from what I understand and like from some of my friends who've done it, their experiences have been like more through the agency. So with, with, when you go through an agency, you often don't know the couple beforehand, right? Like you kind of have to match with a couple. Right. And once you're matched, like then you start the process and there's all these screenings and whatnot. I had to do all those screenings, but I did them on my own. Like I had to like go through my doctor and get them done. So like the medical screening, the psych screening, you have to do a psych- psychological screening as well and then with agencies one of the benefits is that they have a lot of support groups so like you can actually attend like a weekly support group to talk about like any challenges you're having whether it's emotional or physical um to talk about like the medications and how they're affecting you i i didn't have any of that but i did have my sister who's super knowledgeable so i felt supported and then with the agencies you're usually paid a lot more my situation but at the same time a lot of the a lot of the financial aspect is going towards the agency because they're doing all of the coordinating right so, so they have to take their cut of it exactly 
So there's, you know, there's pros and cons to every situation, but, but yeah, definitely something that can be done outside of the agency or, you know, if you need that extra support or if you're starting like from scratch and have no connection to people who are in need of a surrogate, then, you know, you can start there to be matched with the right couple. That's awesome. Have you ever watched like any of those lifetime movies about the surrogates that are crazy and like try to take off with a baby and things like that? (laughs) No, never. Really? No. But I could see why that makes for good TV. It's like dramatic, you know? Yeah. Uh, Which is... Why I'm sure they do all the psych and everything to make sure they're not just right. having some crazy person exactly. having people's babies. Yeah, and they want to know too, like about your family history. Like they want to know if there's any mental illness in the family, if there's any, if there's any reason to believe that you might be in danger at some point. You know, if you're in like, and if you're involved in a relationship or not. Mm. But there are a lot of legalities around it too. Like we, you know, we had to sign a contract, and the contract prohibits me from leaving the country, from flying after. I think it's like 35 weeks, like even going to the nail salon, like I'm not supposed to go to the nail salon because of the fumes from the chemicals that could be harmful to the baby. So there's a lot of rules and regulations and there's a lot of stuff that I already don't do anyway, but the nail salon is a hard one for me because I need to get my nails done every couple of weeks. So <laughs> um, I'm trying, I mean, I can't right now because of the quarantine, but I'm I'm looking to see if someone can come to me because... I need it. <laughs> I'm sh- I'm sure that a lot of nail technicians are doing in homes right now because they can't practice in their salons. That's very true. But um but yeah, it's just going back to like the, you know, the, the crazy surrogate like they're they're definitely screening for that ahead of time and like I said there's lots of legalities around it so to prevent that from happening. So you said you can't fly after a certain amount of time. You can't go to the nail salon. Is there anything else? It's pretty much like basic, you know, pregnancy, like no sushi, Mm. like no, you know, um, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of like what else is like out of the, out of the norm, but nothing really, no, you know, no drugs, no alcohol, things like that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That is just the same thing, nail salon stuff. It's just you had to sign the paperwork saying, I promise I'm not going to do this. Right. So is it just like a standardized, like, legal form that all surrogates <clears throat> agree to? Or do the, the the parents make this contract themselves? Or So there's, like, there's specific lawyers out there who deal with fertility law. And so they hired a, they hired an attorney, and then they hired an attorney for me so that they could talk to each other. And then their attorney put together this pretty pretty standard um, pretty standard contract. But I I actually was the one who tried to you know edit and negotiate some of the terms because um, for example, like when I first met the couple, I told them that. I was interested, but but that I didn't want to give birth in a hospital. So I needed to know up front that they would be open to having a home birth or a birth center birth. And they were like, yeah, whatever you want, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. And so when I got the contract, it just said, like, we'll work with an OBGYN, we'll deliver in the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. And so I said, hey, you know, we talked about this. Like, is there a way to change this to be more open-minded and more 
more open to um, alternative birth locations. And so we ha- we went back and forth a little bit and then eventually settled on putting that I would be able to be under the care of a, a midwife and um, give birth either at home or in a birth center. So that's what we're doing. Great. That's awesome. I've always been curious about that too. One of my friends, she had three of her babies at home because her first, she had her in the hospital when she was 18 and she swears that it was the most horrible experience of her whole life and she said I'll never go back to a hospital again so she had the rest of her kids at home and I just feel like man that's so right yeah (laughs) mainly because I mean now that I mainly because I was really I'm really sensitive to pain, so I feel like I need to have the epidural. I need to have this. I need to have that. But after this last time, I wasn't able to get one. I just feel like, uh, I mean, I guess it's doable. <laughs> it wasn't as bad. It was just the laboring that was hard. But once the baby came out, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I mean, for me, like, I didn't have a horrible birth experience in the hospital with Corey, but... Even then, I wanted to have a home birth. I just couldn't afford it at the time, you know. And, um, for me, like, I just feel safer out of the hospital. But that's different for everyone, you know, yeah. whether it's for pain, pain management or um, medical trauma that you've experienced in your past. Um, in my case, it's more like I've, I've, you know, as a birth doula, I've seen really beautiful experiences outside of the hospital, Mm -hmm. these undisturbed births that just kind of flow naturally instead of all of these hands in the pot trying to stir it a certain way when like realistically we already have the the wisdom and the knowledge to birth our babies the way we need to, but with so many different people probing you and checking in on you and pretty much, you know, it's like we kind of disturb that a little bit. So I just know that for myself, I want to be as calm and relaxed as possible. And I feel like if I'm in a hospital, I'll be more agitated and irritated and distracted. Mm-hmm. That's taken some time to work through with the intended parents as well, because the dad comes from somewhat of a medical background. He's a firefighter. And so he's delivered his own share of babies, but like in an emergency situation. And for the mom, she's very concerned about like, me having access to pain medication if needed and I'm like I don't want it though (laughs) like Mm -hmm. I don't I don't need it I don't want it like I had a natural birth with Corey I think I'll be okay um I'm you know very much a believer in like our abilities to calm ourselves and relax ourselves as long as we stay focused and breathe and have support and have support too you know um Granted, I'm not saying I would never have medication. I would hope not to just because, like, of the, the side effects for me and the baby. Mm-hmm. But um, but overall, like, I feel safe giving birth in a birth center, and that's ultimately where we decided to do it because of insurance purposes. Like, the insurance covers a majority of the cost. So financially, it just makes more sense than doing a home birth. Um and it's also like a nice medium because it's not my house or their house. It's like a, a neutral space that we both meet at. So I think it'll be good. Yeah, I think so too. Do you think that after the baby is born, you're going to keep a relationship with this family or are you guys are just going to go your separate ways? 
We haven't really talked about it, but to be honest, I think we probably will because, like, even with my sister, like, you know, this family has worked with my sister for so long and they love her. Like, they adore her. They're just so appreciative of her support over the years and and of her putting us in touch. And so I have a feeling like we'll stay in touch. And I would I would love to. You know, I feel like this isn't the type of experience where you just, like, cut all ties and move on with your life. It's a, It is a very emotional mm-hmm. experience and it's a very... Um, intimate experience and we've already been through so much with each other and it's you know it just barely started so um I would hope to keep in contact especially because they're local you know yeah. but I also like I have to practice a little bit of distance it's it's kind of similar to when I have birth doula clients you know like we go through this very intimate moment together and then I have to check myself and make sure I'm not getting too attached to where I'm like giving them suggestions for every little thing or telling them how to sleep with their baby or how to feed their baby. You know what I mean? Like it's not my baby. It's not my family. And so therefore I don't have an opinion. I'm here for support if they seek it, but I can't throw my own, my own ideas at them without consent, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a very similar situation. And that's why I think a little bit of distance is good because it's, you know, I don't, I don't want to feel like I have to check in every week and be like, how's the baby doing? Are you feeding them? You know, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause it's not my baby. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, I mean, we, we probably, we are going to stay connected at least for the first few months because I'm planning to um, breastfeed as well, like to, to pump milk and give it to them for at least, uh, hopefully a couple of months after the baby's born. So that's the goal right now. Is there anything you think we're missing that you want to add? I think maybe like talking a little bit about the questions that I get from people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had a lot of questions. Um, people asking me like, like, aren't you afraid you're going to like be sad when you give birth to the baby? Or like um, my favorite one, which is actually my least favorite one is... <laughs> Like, aren't you going to be sad giving up a baby? And I'm like, no, it's not my baby to give up. Like, they put their baby inside of me mm-hmm. knowing that I would give it back to them, you know? So, I don't know. I think that surrogacy in general has this, like, very interesting like taboo. Word, yeah, word stigma. <laughs> stigma, yeah. Stigma is a better word because, okay, so the, from what I understand – like, and I don't know a lot about this, but just from what I've gathered in my own research, like, people either think that surrogacy happens because you're trying to get rich quick. So you're, it's like a business. It's like, I'll, I'll carry your baby, but give me money. Um, or it's like, some people are really not fond of it because they feel like it's a form of, um, I want to say like human trafficking in a way. Where like you can you're controlling somebody's body, right? And like you're you you hear I've heard like horror stories of intended parents being like, You can't eat this or you can't drink that and so I think as long as it's consensual in the sense that there's a good relationship between you and the intended parents, there's an open line of communication, um, and nobody feels kind of like a slave to the other, especially the surrogate, then it's all good. Personally, like, I wouldn't feel comfortable working with a couple who was very much controlling over my every move. I've heard horror stories about that, about, you know, people who are, like, 
just kind of trying to dictate every every part of your day and I don't do well in those types of situations that's part of the reason I don't want to give birth in the hospital is because I feel like if I don't if I don't feel like I have options then I feel unsafe and if I feel unsafe then I'm not going to progress in labor and so I need to feel like I have options and and I've had this talk with the intended parents and they've been very receptive to that and knowing that like, I don't want to be pushed up against the wall at any time during this process. So everything's up for discussion, but please don't make me feel like I have no options. Again, I think as long as there's transparency and communication, then it's it's good. You know, these kind of like questions, they come from a place of just not knowing how the process works in most cases, and and also not knowing what the decision process is like for the person who's choosing to be a surrogate, right? So like Vanessa, you you mentioned that you have considered it. It's like, I'm sure you've done a lot of thinking about it and you've put yourself in that position of like, I'm going to be pregnant again. I'm going to have morning sickness again or however you experience pregnancy, right? Right. And that's different for everyone. Like I can honestly say part of the reason I chose to do this is because my pregnancy with my little one was so easy. And so I'm hoping that it's going to stay easy this time around. It's been super seamless so far. But if you're someone who has really difficult pregnancies, which happens too, you may not be as quick to jump at the opportunity because you're not going to want to put yourself through that kind of emotional and physical labor for another 10 months, you know? So to me, when people ask me those questions, I'm just like, do you think that I jumped into this like with ignorance? Like, do you think that I didn't put thought and intention into this but then I have to remember like this isn't about me like their question isn't about me their question is about them and maybe their insecurity with how they how maybe they wouldn't be able to do it again that's not about me that's about them so this process has definitely made me have to stay super grounded and I'm really grateful that it's happening at this time in my life because if I had done it five years ago I'm I wasn't as grounded as I am now I've, I've put a lot of work a lot of self-work into being in the space I am today where I don't let people get to me as much. I don't really care what people think. I'm in a good mental space. And yeah, and I think the fact that you're a birth worker is just a giant plus because you're so knowledgeable about the whole situation and what, how many different possible outcomes there could be. Exactly. I, I guess it makes me feel more confident mm-hmm. knowing like I, I've seen it all. And I'm still not afraid. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps the intended parents too. Is like my confidence hopefully rubs off on them. They are a little nervous, especially the mom. They're they're very like, are you sure about this? Like, are you sure you don't want medication? But I think my I'm hoping that my confidence rubs off on them towards the end of the pregnancy, where they're like, okay, she's okay. Like she's gonna be okay. You know, which means hopefully their baby is gonna be okay too. And that's you know, those are the two most important things. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for doing this with us. I I mean, I feel like you answered everything so clearly. Any questions that I had, you kind of just got to it on your own without me even having to bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. I've actually been really wanting to talk about this with someone, you know, like just very um, directly and very explicitly because, you know, I've been trying to share my experience little by little on Instagram on my platform, but Um, I'm also aware that like not everyone who follows me wants to know about it. You know, some people who follow me also struggle with infertility and I also want to be sensitive to that. So it's nice to have an open space to talk about this candidly Mm -hmm. and 
and just make it all about that because you, you, you all know I could talk about labor and birth and babies all day long, but it's interesting to talk about it from my perspective, you know, yeah. and as far as like my pregnancy goes, like I said, it's been super chill. Um, the only major concerns I've had so far is just some like round ligament pain, you know, how like when you, when you move too fast, you get like that sharp pain yeah. in the side. Um, that started really early on. It started like before I even got pregnant. It started when I was doing the injections to thicken the uterine lining because I think it, it was so heavy that it started weighing in on that round ligament. But other than that, I mean, everything's been good. I've been doing a lot of yoga to help with my back pain, like from sleeping in awkward positions. And um, I, go, I go walking a lot and I'm, I'm, doing, I'm still working out. And so I feel healthy. I feel good. And I'm just hoping to keep it this way throughout the whole pregnancy. Yeah. You didn't get any morning sickness? My, my like morning sickness thing is really weird. I've always had a very sensitive gag reflex. So it's hard to tell if what I'm experiencing is morning sickness or if it's just heightened like sensitivity. But most mornings I, I'll like take a deep breath and start gagging until I throw up a little bit or, <laughs> or I'll just like dry heave for a couple minutes and then it'll go away. But I'm so used to it that like it doesn't even bother me anymore. So I guess it is maybe morning sickness. Um, but it it's I've never gotten sick to the point where I'm throwing up food. It's usually just like bile. And that might be TMI, but that's the realness of the situation. Yeah, but it doesn't really bother me much. Like I said, I've experienced it a lot in my life. So normal at this point. I'm so happy that you're sharing this experience with us. And, you know, I love watching what's going on with you on Instagram and your singing and everything. It's just all so beautiful I love it thank you I know a lot has changed since I last talked to you all Mm -hmm. I joined a band and opened a business and a lot has changed for you too right like you have another baby yeah I mean I feel like that's really it for me that's I quit my job (laughs) (laughs) that's a good thing right yeah yeah it totally is I feel really lucky that I have the chance to be with the kids while they're little for a little bit yeah but we'll see what happens with this economy and if I have to go back sooner than I really wanted to now that you know my husband's hours got really cut and it's just it's a lot of craziness yeah I I definitely feel that and I think as much as like I said I I'm not focused on the financial aspect of the surrogacy too much but I am really grateful that there is some compensation because um, it's not a lot but it's enough to get me through this time without having to stress too much. And that's probably like the biggest blessing right now is that, I mean, I'm still trying to hustle, like still, you know, pushing my online classes and my, my offerings because I do have a lot of offerings that I'm doing with Mami Amor Birth, um, even during this time, like virtually, you know, but, but at least I have like my basic, my basic expenses covered, like my mortgage and my, my bills, you know, um, we're, you know, we're not rolling in money over here whatsoever, but at least we have our basic needs met and I'm really grateful for that. And also the intended parents are just so sweet. Like they, they're always checking in to see if I need anything. Like I was having such a hard time finding water during this whole craziness and they sent like cases of water to my door. And so just, you know, being able to ask for help too is really 
awesome um, opportunity at this time because I need that. I need that extra support right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all do. And it's so nice to see the opposite side of things. You know, we're seeing a lot of people being greedy and getting everything, everything, everything. But then also there's so many, I've gotten so many calls of, hey, you know, I'm at this store. Do you need anything? And I just could feel the love and feel the kindness that people are, you know, offering their services since I don't really leave the house. Even before I was just using Instacart all the time because I didn't want to leave with the baby because she was so small. So people are always checking in and I feel really lucky to have that. So yeah, I relied heavily on Instacart when other people were busy but now you can't get a time because everybody's using it yeah and there's nothing out there like things mm-hmm. are getting like orders are getting canceled because there's not enough mm-hmm. inventory yeah. yeah well i hope you all are staying healthy and have everything you need right now yeah and again thank you thank you so much and i mean if you're up for it we'd like to check up with you in a couple more weeks or months so we could talk about how everything else is progressing and how you're doing. Yeah. That'd be nice to do like a follow-up yeah. afterward. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We'll talk to you again really, really soon. Okay. okay. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Take care. I feel like that episode was really informative. I learned a lot about surrogacy that I didn't know. I know. And I can't believe you guys have never watched one of those surrogacy movies about those crazy surrogates. No, I've, I've, <laughs> look, my mom is a lifetime, lifetime watcher. <laughs> of course, I've seen those things. They're very, all those movies are very silly and crazy. Yes. They're funny. Yeah, but that's why we have laws and orders in place to prevent stuff like that from happening. Yeah, it's so crazy, but definitely, definitely very useful that they're hip to all of those things and can (laughs) prevent them now. But yeah, I think what she's doing is really great. Um, It's always nice to help a family in need. So I think like the question she's saying that she gets, you know, it comes from a place where people don't really know about stuff. So their first instinct is to be kind of judgmental about it. So, you know, I hope she hangs in there and, and everything works out great for the family and they get their baby. Yeah, I think, I mean, I have a feeling that it will. I, yeah, I have a lot of confidence in her. And I think that that family is really lucky to have a surrogate that is as knowledgeable about, about birth. birth. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. She's like the perfect surrogate. Yeah. I think so. Well, we're going to keep trying to get these episodes out as often as we can. Hopefully we can stick to our every two weeks like we used to. But we always have a fun, guys. You know how we are. <laughs> Stuff happens, guys. We're, you know, we're ordered to be quarantined, but things come up, things change. So if we do stay in quarantine, it's just more time for us to record. So lucky for you. Keep listening and we will do so. Until next time. Stay moody, guys. Say moody mommies. Moody mommies. Moody mommies podcast.